Welcome back, Nexus Church family, to another week in our series we've titled Connect Here. We've been examining both our pillars of our church and now our family values, what we view as what's important to the culture of any church, whether you attend our church or some other church or don't go to church at all. These are the things that you should look for in a church. Now, in our last week's message, we talked about this this belief that we should expect God to show up and show off and do amazing things. This week, we're talking about generosity. What is generosity? For a lot of people, whoa, you start talking about generosity, red flags start popping up everywhere because if you've been in church world at all or nonprofit world, whatever the case may be, generosity is something that has been abused to the core. And we're not talking about that kind of a deal. I'm not looking for your money, not looking for your time or your gifts or whatever else you want to call it. I'm just looking at what God's word says about what kind of people we are to be. Whether you want to give anything to a church or to a parachurch or whatever or not. That's not anything I'm concerned about. What I'm concerned about is your heart. Are you willing to do what God has asked you to do? If we can get to that. Everything else will come. And so my hope today is that we just lay a a foundation, some kind of groundwork that we can build off of and help you to understand that at the base of it, you cannot outgive God. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your time. He doesn't need his resources. He can do whatever he wants. But when you give, watch out. Because you cannot outgive God. You cannot. And it is my hope that you can understand the importance of being a generous person. And that when you give, God gives back to you. In fact, it is our verse for today, our passage, our core passage that we're going to build off of today and, and look at other passages from is Luke six thirty eight. Listen to what Jesus says to you. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. Running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Now, that doesn't mean that if you give $1,000, you're going to get $2,000 back, right? It's not that kind of giving. God's kingdom isn't about money gold, wealth, or anything. In fact, he, his, his resources are so expansive that what we read in scriptures is the streets will be made of gold, of pure gold, that you can't even see it because it's just so translucent. It's, it's crazy what we read of in God's word that it, it makes heaven to look like. Like the most beautiful place made of the most expensive gems and jewels and minerals. It, it's beyond anything we could understand you see when you give you're going to give back life and we're going to examine that today at the end of our our message but first uh, let's build off the basics of this give generosity what is it and we're going to turn to first timothy chapter six and we're going to read three verses verses 17 through 19 and we're going to look at what kind of heart that giving entails do you have a generous heart 
so. Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.17, Instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God, who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, and be generous and willing to share. Storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of what is truly life. Now for some people, they turned it off right away before we even got past the first sentence. Instruct those who are rich in the present age. And immediately, some of you may say, that's not me. I'm not rich. You look at those people around you, and you're like, I ain't got nothing. <laughs> like, I, I don't even own a house. I don't own a car. Um, everything is on credit. I don't have anything. I'm not rich. Now, I'm going to challenge you. Yeah, maybe compared to your neighbor. But listen to what the average person living on earth today lives off of. Now, this is according to research, and I backed it up with different uh, numbers that I picked up from other sources. But according to the recent numbers, 15% of the world population, population lives on $2 or less a day. Less than $2. 15 Two dollars or less a day. When you think about that, and that is under a thousand dollars a year. That's mind blowing, right? Fifteen percent. Another fifty-six percent. Over half of the world's population. Listen to this. Lives on two to ten dollars a day. Over half of the world. At the highest end, that's barely over $3,000 a year. Over half. <laughs> that's, that's less than 10% of what most people listening to this make a year. Mind-blowing. Another 13% live on 10 to $20 a year. And so if you add up all those numbers, 84%, 84%, the world population lives on less than $20 a day. Friends, you are rich. This passage applies to you today. So again, Instruct those who are rich in the present age. That is you. The fact that you are able to listen to this message today means you are rich. Because you have some kind of device that you can listen to this on. I'm rich. You're rich. Most of us living in America are rich. Even if we are under the poverty level, as many are. We're still rich. In comparison to what the average person on this world makes. We're among the 16% of the highest gross in the world. So don't be arrogant is the first thing Paul says to us. 
don't be arrogant. Now, I will admit, being arrogant is a very tricky thing to try to maneuver around. Because when you're talking about money, like many of us, if you're anything like me, grew up, if you're in America, you grew up with this mentality, at least for those of us who grew up in the 80s and 90s, like you work hard for what you get, right? It, it, it's like you just work hard. You, you put your nose to the grindstone and you get to work so that you can earn a living. And that's, a, that's what made America great, right? That, that's what propelled us in the early 1900s to become a great nation. It what led to the Industrial Revolution even earlier. Like, work hard and you will get a reward. That's a good mentality. In fact, that probably would do America some good today if we had that mentality. However, the problem with that is, is it led to arrogance. We earned what we have. We deserve as Americans to be better than others because we did it. We worked for it. And they haven't. They don't deserve it. They haven't tried. They haven't put out the effort. So why should we help them? Why should we care? They're sitting on their butts doing nothing. They're lazy. If they would just get to work, they would have what we have. Well, other than the fact that America took advantage of a lot of those people to become great, but that's beside the point. We're not going down that rabbit trail. At the heart of it, it is arrogance. It is selfishness. It is pride. In all three of those things, the Bible speaks highly against. In fact, listen to what 1 John 3.17 says. It says, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, I'll add a little commentary to that. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need who hasn't worked hard for it, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? It's a great question, isn't it? We make excuses. They haven't tried. They don't want to change without ever giving the benefit of the doubt that maybe they do and they just don't know how. Maybe they've been brought up in it. They, they simply do not have the resources available to help them get out of it. And, and so we look down on them. Say they could do it if they wanted. God says, how, do you, how can you say God's love abides in you if you can't love your brother who you see? God loved you. He sent his son. You didn't do anything to deserve it. You were lazy. And your ability to make yourself right with Jesus, with God the Father. But yet, God so loved you, he sent his son. So that's how he begins. Don't be arrogant. Or set your hope in wealth, right? Do not be arrogant or set your hope on the uncertainty of wealth. Now, what does it look like to place your hope in wealth? 
right? It says, don't place your hope in what, but what does that look like? How, how do we go about this in our daily life that, that, that Paul would be warning us? Don't put your hope in wealth. Well, you don't have to look over that many years ago when everything came crashing down in 2008 and everybody was like, oh, everything is, is crumbling. And maybe this year, we're talking now 2023, and we've looked at, many of us have investments for retirement. And if you've looked at them, you noticed a pretty significant drop in your retirement if you placed anything into the market. And we've come to understand we cannot place our hope in retirement or the future of the economy or in our own ability to get right with God. There's a story in the Bible found in Genesis 22, and I encourage you to go read it for yourself today. Genesis 22, and Abraham has been called by God to sacrifice on the mountain. But here's the catch. In that time, they were to offer a ram or a sheep or some kind of animal in those, those terms. And, and God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son. And one of the most powerful statements that's made throughout that passage is the son looks up to the father, Abraham, and he says, you have the fire, you have the wood, but you do not have the sacrifice. What are you doing? And every time, what does Abraham say? You know the story. If God will provide. If God will provide. Like, that's crazy, right? Every time his son asks, can you imagine the long walk? He has a servant with him to help carry things up. They're just walking. And I'm sure the servant's like, dude, what are you doing? God will provide. God will provide. You see, that is exactly what we're talking about. Now, wealth is more than just money, right? God will provide your needs. If I was in Abraham's shoes, if you were in Abraham's shoes, what would you be doing? I'd be looking. I'd be looking. There's got to be something, God. There's got to be something. There's got to be a way out. I can figure this out, God. I will make a way so that I can, I can both satisfy you and save my son. Like, this was the promised son that was supposed to bring about the descendants of Israel to thousands and thousands of numbers. This was the son. And God asked Abraham to provide. The son. It's special. God isn't providing. God isn't showing up. God isn't leading me. How many times have I heard that or said that myself in my life? Why isn't God doing that? Why? Why? Why can't He just answer me? I've been praying, I've been seeking, and there's no answers. There's no, there's no way out. I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. He doesn't show up. I'm not going to make it. Reality is God knows. And He cares. But He will provide. He will provide. He will provide. Even if you offer it all up on the altar like Abraham did. He said, you give them to me 
I was over 100 years old when we birthed this son. And if you ask me to, to put him on the altar, you'll provide a way for my descendants to be as numerous as the stars. I trust you. Are you willing to trust God with his wealth, with whatever he asks? If he asks you to be generous and, and give a year's wage to him, would you do it? Would you trust him? I know that sounds crazy. I get it. Generosity does not make sense. Period. But that's what God calls us to. He gave your wealth to you. He's given you your job. Even if you worked hard to get it, He's given you the ability to do it. Would you turn and walk away from that job if He asked you to? Would you be willing? Paul continues in this passage and he gives us some examples of how to be generous. And the first way that he provides is to do what is good or to be rich in good works. Now, this this kind of ties in a little bit to what Paul says in Romans 12, 1, where he says that because of God's love, we are to offer our lives as a sacrifice. We, we, out of love for what God did for us, providing us a way so we could have eternal life with Him for, in heaven for all of existence, we give ourselves back to Him. We are to be rich in good works. Now, a beautiful picture of this, and I will read this for you today. This is Acts 4, verses 32 through 35. Listen to what... The early church did after God gave his life for them. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Now the entire group of those who, were, who believed were of one heart and mind. That means they were in unity, right? And no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. And what did they do? They gave all that they had, and they kind of lived in a commune. They all lived together, which obviously that's not something that we do today, but it's the, it's the understanding that they gave freely so that anybody could be helped that was in need. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was on all of them. For there was not a needy person among them, because all who owned land or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of what was sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed to each person as any had need. It's beautiful. You see, generosity is a lifestyle. Generosity is us constantly doing what's good for others, looking out for the needs of others. And I, I get that. That's, that's tough because what does that mean? That means you could be taken advantage of. And you burn me once, shame on you. Burn me twice, shame on me kind of mentality that we have in this culture we live in. It's a take care of yourself. But what we read of in the Bible, not that I'm asking anybody to... Make a commune or, or go off the grid and, and create some kind of interesting little group that, that takes care of one another in a weird way. 
But I am encouraging you. How, how can you live for the common good of others today? So they did good works. They were rich in good works. I like that. They were rich. They didn't hold anything back. They were rich. And then Paul continues. Not only were they to be rich in good works, they were to be generous and willing to share. It's like what we just read. They were willing. Do you notice that? Willing. I think that's important to understand. God isn't looking for you to be forced into this. He's not like like putting the pressure on you saying, you've got to do this or else. You've got to do this or else. Right? This is a a willingness. If you don't want to, I'm not going to push you into this. But that's that's for you. And as we're going to read in just a moment, really it's harming yourself. Being rich and willing to share with others is going to come back to not bless you and not give you the favor that will be breakthroughs and miracles. In Mark 12, 41 through 44, we got a beautiful picture of this, where Jesus sat down opposite of the treasury and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. Many rich people were putting in large sums, right? So, so think of this, you know, like, <laughs> like the old offering plates that are being passed down the rows, and, and somebody's just like throwing in these big old wad of $100 bills, and everybody's like, oh man, that, that guy put in a lot. And then a poor widow came and put in two small coins, which amounted to a couple of cents. Calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury, for they all put out of the surplus. Out of the surplus. The leftovers. The, the extras that they had after they paid and took care of everything. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she owned, all she had to live on. See, generosity isn't about the amount. It's about the obedience that comes from the heart. She gave what she had. They gave after everything was taken care of. Generosity is sacrifice, isn't it? It's giving, knowing that if God doesn't provide, this is going to hurt. <laughs> Man, that's not fun, is it? I don't like hurting. I don't like going to the gym and feeling like I'm going to die. But it's the reward afterwards. It might not come in getting a check in the mail that pays for the bill. But it's the life that God gives in return. So let's look at the rewards, because I keep alluding to them. But what are the rewards for being generous? Paul gives it to us, right? Verse 17, it says, right at the beginning, God richly provides us with all things to enjoy. God richly provides. Right? We, we go back to... <laughs> The picture we had in Genesis with Abraham. And what happened when he was about to take the knife to his own kid 
God calls out, Abraham, I know your heart. You hold nothing back from me. He looks up. What did he see? A ram in the thicket, stalking him. And God provided him a sacrifice he needed. Now, will God always show up exactly like that? Absolutely not. But God will richly provide for your needs so that you can enjoy all that. See, generosity brings about joy. Your needs will be met to the point of overflowing with joy. Then in verse 19, what does he say? Store, we don't want to be storing up treasures in this earth, but in heaven for the coming age so that they may take hold of what is truly life. So God gives us so that we can enjoy, richly enjoy, and then what does He do? He gives us treasures for true life. Both here and in the age to come when we meet Him face to face. 1 Timothy 6.9 puts it this way, People who long to be rich fall into the temptations and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Right? When we, rich, when we long for things on this earth, it keeps us from the true riches that are for life, for hope. Things on this earth, yeah, we need them. Undoubtedly, we need food to survive. We need water to survive. We, especially in northwest Minnesota, where it gets dang cold in the wintertime, we need heat in order to survive. Those things we need. But God will richly provide both for our here today and for our tomorrow when we have a heart that when God speaks or puts something inside of us to, to give, whether it's time or money or whatever it might be, we're willingly giving ourselves, our lives, he will richly provide. And ultimately, as we read in our core passage for today, God will set his favor. Right? His favor. And he'll, he'll give you way more than you could ever ask. Your gift will return to you, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more, running over, poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Why? Because God knows. He can give you everything. And you will give it back if he asks. He knows that he can trust you. Just like Abraham. He was willing to give a son. God's like, I, I can give you anything. If you're willing to give me your son, the miracle that he is and was, I can give you anything. I can trust you. I can trust you, Abraham. God will do the same for you. I can trust you. Why? Why would I hold anything back from somebody that I can know will do whatever I ask? couple other passages for you to, to ponder. Proverbs eleven twenty four through 25. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. See, again, it's more than just money. It's bringing life and you will in turn have life. See, stinginess is the total opposite of generosity. This is why it's so much more about money. Stingy people will hold back everything. They'll hold back their time. They'll hold back their, their praise and adoration and love for others. 
They'll hold back everything in life because they, they're, they're selfish. They don't want to give it out because they're scared. But if they give it out, they won't get it back. If they give out praise, if they give out compliments, they won't, might not get it back. They live in a world where everything is half empty. God wants you to give it all out. Give the praise. Give the thanks. Give the, the money. Give the time. Be generous. Don't burn yourself out. No, we're not talking about being silly and, and obnoxious. But within your abilities, give. And when God asks you to give more, trust that he will give you back your time. Trust that he will give you back praise and joy and care. But sometimes he does ask us to go beyond ourselves. That's where the supernatural comes in and overtakes our natural abilities. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. I believe that generosity, generous lifestyle, it, it leads to a supernatural move of God. It's, it's what we read throughout Scripture today. When we give, God gives back in miraculous ways, in, in supernatural ways. And that's why it's not like you give $10, God gives you $100. Because that's natural. Generosity in our, in our giving back to God unlocks the supernatural move where God comes back and gives you things in a supernatural realm that, that cannot be quantified. That's why it's overflowing and pouring into your lap. It's a supernatural move. Friends, you cannot outgive God. And today, my prayer for you is that you would get that into your heart, that your generosity, your giving of whatever God asks you to give. Now, I'm not pressuring you again. This is not about you giving to the church or giving to some ministry or whatever it is. It's a lifestyle. When you unlock your encouragement to others, your time to others, your care for others, your love for others, when you unlock a generous lifestyle, there is something about what God does in return that just is supernatural in your life. You cannot quantify it. It's beautiful. I pray that you get that into your heart today. Father, I pray for every person right now God, I, I know there's so many people who have the mindset that I've struggled with for years where we work hard for what we get. We, we, we protect it. We save it. We, we store it up for these, these, these needs that we have. They're real needs. But God, when we do that, when we lock it up, we lock ourselves up into our own abilities, our own strengths. And, and, and when that happens, it locks you up. It keeps a supernatural move from God to happen in us, through us, around us. And God, I just pray that you, you would lift up this, this covering, this arrogance that Paul calls it, this trusting in our wealth. God, that we would see what it really is to worship to ourselves worship of our abilities and our talents. It's not worship of you. It's worship of ourselves. 
It's trusting ourselves, not trusting you. God, work in every person's heart now. Help them to see that, God. This is not me coming down on them or, or doing anything, God. This is your word. This is your heart. You're opening my eyes. I pray you would open theirs as well. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Friends, I hope you heard my heart today. I hope that you get this. This is a process that I'm still in the middle of. But understand that God, if your heart is truly open and willing to receive, He's going to do some amazing things. And so with that, if you have any questions, comments, or thoughts about this message today, I encourage you to look at nexuschurchmn.com. Hey, we have all of the ways you can connect with us there. And we'll talk to you again real soon.